This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. Iowa has a good capacity already infrastructure-wise to handle the existing business and what's proposed for the future. Finding a way to get Iowa's goods to market requires infrastructure. Comes into Iowa, comes to somewhere on one of our railroads, then is transferred into a truck to move to a business location that isn't on rail somewhere else. It's becoming increasingly clear that rail is a large part of Iowa's future. I think we're, we're looking at this on a project-by-project project basis. Operationally, we're also changing to be able to meet those the need of that new customer. Rail transportation in Iowa, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Perhaps it's a romantic idea of times gone by. The Iron Horse making its way across a new country in an age before personal motorized transportation. A train clacking through cities and towns, large and small. Many today have never traveled by train and simply know them from having to wait at a street crossing. But rail transportation of goods is a major topic as Iowa looks to the future. The executive director and editor of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, Lyle Muller, has our story. Open the 2017 Iowa State Rail Plan and you'll get a history lesson on how railroads have been in Iowa since 1855. How mainline railroad mileage peaked at 10,018 miles in 1914. How trains led to economic growth, especially in the state's cities. The state has 3,851 railroad route miles now, the plan reports. 18 railroads and two non-operating railroad owners own the tracks. And this might surprise you, but they also own some of those hiking trails you use that were built on abandoned rail lines. They could reinstall the rail and run trains there again if that ever became necessary. The term is rail banking. Trails being rail banked include the Cedar Valley Nature Trail connecting Hiawatha with Waterloo, the Heart of Iowa Nature Trail between Slater and Rhodes, the 64-mile-long Wabash Trace Nature Trail between Council Bluffs and Blanchard, and that 90-mile-long Raccoon River Valley Trail connecting several towns in central Iowa. Well, in general, I think Iowa has a good capacity already infrastructure-wise to, to handle the existing business and what's proposed for the future. That's Brian Buchanan, Manager of Corporate Development at Canadian National Railways. Canadian National Trains run on 608 miles of Iowa track, all of it owned by the company except for three miles it has rights to use. Although there are specific pinch points that we all have along our railroad that w need to be addressed for instance, on our railroad, the Canadian National, we have a, a tunnel at East Dubuque that has height restrictions. It restricts the height of the rail cars that we can move in and out of Iowa on our rail line. So for us to take advantage of, say, double-stack intermodal tech, uh, train technology, that is more efficient than, than handling the intermodal boxes stacked singly. It's more efficient to double stack them than they only take up half the amount of length in a train. At present, we can't handle those through the tunnel in East Dubuque because the roof of the tunnel isn't high enough. So whereas 
our railroad, once we get into Iowa, has adequate capacity for the foreseeable future to handle any growth needs, we do have this specific pinch point that we need to address. That state transportation plan includes a prediction that Iowa will need to address a large increase in rail freight needs by the year 2040. Outbound rail freight tonnage will grow 35 percent from 2013 to 2040, the report predicts. Inbound tonnage by 44 percent. Add interstate rail movement and you have a total predicted growth of 52 percent, the report states. Canadian National operates on an international scale, but Iowa Interstate Railroad operates on a statewide scale. Andy Laurent, the business development director there, says the firm assesses its rail needs on a case-by-case basis. For example, it serves an ethanol plant in Atlantic, Iowa that received a controversial $4.5 million tax break to locate in that southwest Iowa community. You know, really from a big-picture standpoint, most of our railroads have adequate capacity to deal with it. But, you know, we've got some government mandates, positive train control, um, things of that nature that we're all planning for, having to figure out how we're going to implement on our railroads. Um, on our capacity specifically, I think we're, we're looking at this on a project-by-project basis. Um, we've got a new ethanol plant that's being located in Atlantic, Iowa. We're doing some capacity improvements there. Operationally, we're also changing to be able to meet those the need of that new customer. Um, you know, big picture, we're set for the future. When, when additional business comes to our railroad, I think we're ready for it. As a Class 2 railroad, we're fairly nimble. We can make those changes. Um, and financially, we're in, we're in pretty good shape. So I think for the future, our railroad's good. I think Iowa's general railroad infrastructure system is in good shape as well. Uh, we all do a lot of interconnectedness. Um, most of our carloads that we move start or end on another railroad. Um, we depend on our other railroads, and I think their infrastructure um, is in pretty good shape as well. So I think we're the state is in pretty good shape moving forward. Buchanan and Laurent shared their ideas at a September 2017 Iowa Ideas Conference that the Gazette newspaper hosted. Disclosure, the Gazette is a financial supporter for Iowa Watch. Terms of the agreement, though, give Iowa Watch sole control over what news stories it covers and how. The conference was in downtown Cedar Rapids, a hub for rail freight with plants like the iconic Quaker Oats facility providing the goods. Listen closely as Jeff Woods, manager of marketing and business development at Alliant Energy Transportation, speaks at the conference. You'll hear, as though on cue, another downtown train. There's also a lot coming in that will use the railroad's economy of scale, let's just say plastics moving from the Gulf of Mexico. Um, Comes into Iowa, comes to somewhere on one of our railroads, uh, then is transferred into a truck to move to a business location that isn't on rail somewhere else. Iowa assists the rail industry in several ways, with a railroad revolving loan and grant program, for example, or by providing state funds for programs that include railroad crossing safety and surface repair, also intermodal facilities. Jeff Woods at Aligned Energy Transportation says rail companies are preparing for the state's future shipping needs, but you can expect the state to be part of that future, too. Well, I think we've been addressing it the last 10 years through substantial investments in our locomotive fleet and our rail infrastructure. We've built a lot of additional track to, and replaced a lot of existing track just to keep up with the customer base that we have today. And then as we get new customers that want to come online, we look at it on a case-by-case basis predicated on the business decision. I do think going forward, given the significant capacity const- 
increase uh, that the state's projecting. There are opportunities for the railroads and really all the transportation providers, the trucking lines, the barge lines, to interface more in terms of where are their locations where there's significant public benefit, but maybe the business case needs a little bit of assistance to get it off the ground in terms of interfacing the various modes between each other. And Lyle Muller joins me now. How did this report come about? Why did this rise to the surface as something that we should be talking about on this program and at iowawatch.org? The specific reason that it came about at this point in time is because the Cedar Rapids Gazette was holding an Iowa Ideas Conference in Cedar Rapids. One of the topics was rail capacity, and I had the honor of being a moderator. But while I was talking with these gentlemen, I thought, this is an interesting topic that ought to get a little bit more exposure, this idea that the rail capacity needs in Iowa are going to increase 52% between 2013 and 2040. That's a lot of capacity, and that's a lot of need. And so I thought it was worth taking a look at it. Another reason that it is in the forefront now, Jeff, is because we are trying to figure out how Iowa is going to develop economically, and that means you need to have goods that can be shipped in, but also methods of shipping goods out of the state. Iowa, of course, is a huge exporter because we are sending out corn, soybeans, farm products, but also other things that are manufactured in the state as well, and we need to have a rail system and another system of having shipping over highways, barges, the other methods too, because shipping happens with more than just rail. It occurs to me, and I've lived in Iowa my whole life, it occurs to me that we have sort of abandoned the concept of rail travel, and it may be to our detriment now in terms of what we need to build things out as we move forward. Rail has been slow and steady, but I, I think it's been ignored over time. There might be the impression that it has been ignored, and I think that's because of the rail beds that have been put to rest, so to speak. Iowa has about 3,851 railroad route miles now, according to the Iowa Department of Transportation. And that compares with the peak back in 1914, which we aren't going to remember. That was 10,018 miles. But certainly there were more rail tracks 50 years ago, 40 years ago than there are now. And we see it in big ways. There are these nature trails that are along rail beds or you see bike trails or just any kind of use that gets put to these things. The fact is, though, that those rail beds, even though they're abandoned at this point in time, still are owned by the railroad companies. And I think that's something Iowans don't know, that the railroad companies own the the stretches that go on and on and on. It's a term called rail banking. The Cedar Valley Nature Trail that connects Waterloo and Hiawatha. There is the trail out there in central Iowa, the Raccoon River Valley Trail that connects a lot of towns out in central Iowa. That thing is 90 miles long. But if the rail companies needed them at some point in time or felt that they needed them, they do have the right to take them back and lay some rail. So, yeah, it seems like rail hasn't been used, and that's because there are fewer miles. But it still is a major method of shipping in Iowa that people aren't aware of, perhaps. Other than what you mentioned just now about the ownership, what do you think will surprise most people who hear this story today? The growth that's expected in rail capacity, the growth that's expected in the demand to ship things on rail, 
And by the way, that demand is also existing for semi-trailer trucks and perhaps even barge traffic. But the fact that in 2040 that we'll have to have more capacity, I think, might surprise people, at least the fact that it would be a 52% anticipated growth. As always, these are predictions, and we'll be able to see what happens over time. Uh, But uh, I think that was kind of a big takeaway for me is just that there is such a demand that's going on here for rail uh, method of transportation that, as you say, people may have thought was drying up. And let's reiterate, what is the greatest challenge to meeting these targets and goals that you've set forth? The rail industry will tell you that the big challenge is simply being able to keep up with the demand. There are some places that certain things exist where uh, one rail company or another company might want to deal with, whether it be right away and things like that. You know, in Cedar Rapids, they're trying to take care of this. Crandic has proposed an intermodal transportation system down on the south side of town. They have some funding, but they don't have all of the funding that they need, so it's not being built then. So you have funding as one issue there, but you also have the political realities that exist. If Crandic is putting in an intermodal facility in Cedar Rapids and getting state money, the highway shipping industry, the semi-trailer trucks, those folks are saying, well, what about us? Or is it fair to send state money to just rail? Because after all, you have large shipping over the highway, and it's headquartered in Iowa too, CRST and Cedar Rapids, Heartland Trucking down in North Liberty. So those are the real issues that come up when you try to deal with these things, money and politics. When we come back, Lyle speaks with a state transportation official on the topic. That's next, but first, here's a look at some news stories and articles published just this past week at iowawatch.org. A new report shows many flagship universities across the country have low enrollment of African-American and Latino students. However, the University of Iowa is showing a slight increase in the number of first-time degree-seeking students from those minority populations. And the weekly Iowa History Post talks about a young woman who ran an Iowa newspaper in the late 1880s. All that and more at iowawatch.org. More of the Iowa Watch Connection in a moment. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double-check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. 
Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Lyle Muller continues his report on the future of rail transportation in Iowa now by speaking with a state official on Iowa's future rail needs. Phil Moraz is the Iowa Department of Transportation's Rail Regulation and Analysis Project Coordinator. In that role, he works with the state's rail service providers to make sure they are following federal laws. The state, he says, has no regulatory authority over rail. Rather, he says, he helps ensure that rail service in the state is adequate and that rail service providers' needs are met. Do you think Iowans have an understanding of what type of increased needs there are anticipated for rail freight capacity in Iowa? I would have to say no. I, I think most citizens don't have an understanding of, of the need for rail capacity. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, um, it's seen oftentimes just as an inconvenience. Um, and, you know, uh, they look at a train going by and they look at pictures and history and they say, oh, they're using the very latest of 1850s technology. But the fact of the matter is, is it's, a, it's an extremely uh, high technology industry that um, is trying to move things as efficiently as possible. Uh, as far as um, the need for more capacity, an understanding of what the rail lines actually do, and to not pick on one of the railroads that's represented here, uh, UP has one corridor that carries about 60-plus trains a day, uh, saying those trains are about 125 cars long, and each car carries about the same as four semis. That would replace, uh, f- that would take 5,000 trucks that would be driving on the parallel corridor of I-80 every day. 5,000 more trucks. Um, The difference that would make on the cost of shipping goods, having 5,000 trucks instead of one train, or 60 trains, um, it's it's an amazing difference uh, on the cost of how we move our freight in this state. And we are a very large producing state. I believe our production is about eight times the size of our import when it comes to moving capacity. So we are a, a large exporting state compared to how much we actually import into the state. Um, those are all things that, that make trains extremely relevant uh, in the state of Iowa and, and, and are looking to actually increase in the future. What does Iowa have to do to prepare for this increase? A, a lot of things. Again, it's, it's an understanding and education and awareness to the public to make sure that they, that they understand that, yes, it's inconvenient sitting at a crossing, and those trains are going to be getting bigger and longer, uh, and the time increases there at the crossing. By the same token, the state needs to be looking at a balance between the road network and the rail network and where they intersect uh, to make sure that we can keep both the traveling public, the convenience level, as high as we can, and yet still maintain the operations of the railroads that are helping our economy go. How far does Iowa's authority go when trying to deal with the railroads in the state? Uh, Not far. (laughs) We are um, a non-regulatory state, so what we do as a a rail office is actually work on investing, as was mentioned, where markets have have issues but uh, could really be helped, but it's not really a marketable operation for the railroad. Uh, The state can step in with programs to help uh, the local economy there or the local market to build so that a community can actually increase its growth and its uh, economy and make it feasible for the railroad to operate in the same area. Um, 
we also have to work again with the safety aspects of of the two. I mean, it's not much more beyond that. And when you say safety aspects, what are you talking about? Um, a lot of people don't understand or don't realize, I should say, uh, because unless there's a, a what appears to be a tragic incident, a lot of people don't hear that we still have uh, on the trend line uh, close to 50 uh, collisions every year just in the state of Iowa between vehicles and trains. That's almost one a week. Uh, and most people don't understand the dangers of being around railroad tracks, again, because they think uh, a lot of times uh, uh, the general public – thinks that it's publicly owned land. Um, this is Iowa. I grew up here too. So I know that railroad tracks were the shortcut. Uh, there's trails on them now in some places, but this is private land uh, in the United States. More trespassers on railroad property are killed than at crossings. Um, so yeah, there's is a that, lot is that because they think no one's coming or what's going on there? Uh, actually, a lot of it is because of the efficiencies that have been changed. Yep. The, the efficiencies that have been changed with the railroads. Uh, a lot of times now they have what's called continuous welded rail. Those trains are moving. It might as well be on glass. It sounds, uh, the, the sound is so much quieter than it used to be unless they blow their horns. Also distractions that we have now as the public between staring at our phones chatting with our friends as they're walking down the tracks, or earbuds. Uh, there's a lot of joggers. And we'll leave the interview with that thought. Iowa watches Lyle Muller with Phil Mraz, Iowa Department of Transportation's Rail Regulation and Analysis Project Coordinator. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again, or a list of stations that carry the program and more. iowawatch.org. Follow us on Twitter at Iowa Watch and be sure to use the hashtag IAWatchConnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook too, facebook.com slash iowawatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.